We're studying what it means to be more like Jesus. More like Jesus in his love for people. More like Jesus in his wisdom for a completely joy-filled life. More like Jesus in his power over fear and temptation. Since we want to be like Jesus, last week we spent every day incorporating the first Jesus habit of committing to community. This next week, we're going to spend every day incorporating the second Jesus habit of studying Scripture. Because being like Jesus means believing the same things Jesus believed about the Bible. I will never have love and wisdom and power like Jesus unless I believe what Jesus believed about Scripture. So let's take a look at Jesus and his attitude towards Scripture, which is on display in his massive confrontation with Satan found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, beginning with the first verse. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So this is the first of the three temptations uh, Satan threw at Jesus. In a moment, I'll refer to the other two. But for now, notice that when Satan tempted Jesus to make bread out of stones, Jesus responded by quoting from the Bible about the Bible. Uh, Jesus quotes from the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy chapter 8 and says, Mankind does not live on bread alone, but we must also live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Jesus is saying, just as the human body needs bread, you know, food to survive, there's something we all need even more to survive in this world, and that is the word of God. Which goes back to the love, wisdom, and power in Jesus that we want to imitate. It's because Jesus lived on Scripture. Uh, even when the physical, visible part of Jesus was starvation weak, the invisible, spiritual part of Jesus was powered up with the Word of God. Jesus shows how I can be strong on the inside even when I'm weakened by the stresses of the world on the outside when, when I believe what Jesus believes about the Bible. So, what does Jesus believe about the Bible? Well, in his confrontation with Satan, we see at least four beliefs that Jesus holds on Scripture. First, Jesus believes that the Bible is God's Word. When Satan tempted Jesus to change stones into bread, Jesus answered, As it is written in Scripture, man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Notice how Jesus equates the words that are written in the Bible with words that come from the mouth of God. This is really important. Uh, Jesus is very aware that Scripture was written by human authors. But that does not change Jesus' unshakable belief that the Bible is not man's word, it's God's word. And if I want to be like Jesus, then like Jesus, I must believe that what's written in the Bible is from the mouth of God. Now here's the second belief Jesus holds about the Bible. Jesus believes that the Bible is the final word. 
I mentioned that the devil throws two more temptations at Jesus. Well, when you look at Matthew chapter 4, you'll see that Jesus responds to the second and third temptation the same way he handles the first. Each time, Jesus answers Satan with a quote from the Bible. Uh, to the second and third temptation, uh, Jesus simply quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 6 about never testing God and always worshiping God alone. But just notice that Jesus does not debate with Satan. Uh, Jesus doesn't even engage in a conversation with Satan. Jesus simply responds to Satan's tempting with the words of Scripture. And uh, it's as if Jesus believes that the Bible is the final word on every subject. And if I want to be like Jesus, then like Jesus, I must believe that whatever God affirms in Scripture is the final word on the subject for me, period. Now, here's the third belief Jesus has about the Bible. Jesus believes that the Bible is absolute truth. Uh, it's interesting to note that in this encounter with Satan, Jesus only quotes the Bible. If you know the Gospels, you know that when Jesus held normal conversations with people, he didn't speak in a string of quotes from the Bible. But with Satan, Jesus only quotes from Scripture because this is not a conversation. This is a confrontation. By confronting the devil's lies with the Bible, and only the Bible, Jesus is demonstrating his belief that the Bible is absolutely true. And I want to pause here to just acknowledge the fact that most people do not believe that the Bible is absolute truth. I know that the secular dialogue about the Bible doubts everything about the Bible's complete reliability, which is fair enough. But it's also fair to counter every single one of those doubts with facts, which is why repeatedly over my 35 years as pastor here at BlackRock, I have devoted whole sermons to demonstrating how the Bible is textually trustworthy, historically accurate, timelessly relevant, and infallibly true in whatever it affirms as truth. And I can't do that today. But stay tuned because I will be doing this again in the near future because in order to be like Jesus, you and I need to know and believe the fact that the Bible is absolutely true. But now, let's go to the fourth belief Jesus has about the Bible. Jesus believes that the Bible must be read, studied, and applied. So, three temptations are thrown at Jesus, and Jesus had the perfect biblical application for each one. And the reason Jesus had the perfect Bible application is because Jesus knew the Bible. It's not like Jesus responded to each temptation saying, Ooh, Satan, there's something in the Bible about that. I don't remember exactly how it goes, but no. Jesus models for me the importance of knowing God's Word by my faithful reading of the Bible, by my faithful study of the Bible, so that I can faithfully apply the Bible to my daily life. So, let's talk briefly about each one starting with my habitual need to read the Bible. And that all starts with getting the Bible translation that's right for you. The original languages of the Bible are ancient forms of Hebrew and Greek, which means that everybody in the 21st century needs a translation. And there are many great ones to choose from. 
the translation that I use is called the NIV, which stands for the New International Version, which is just one of many good translations known by initials like NASB, RSV, and CSB. You can sample them all on the Bible app called the U Version, Y-O-U Version. Okay, once you settle on the translation you like, then I strongly recommend that you invest the money and buy a physical Bible. I'll even go a step further and recommend that you buy what's called a study Bible. That's what this is, an NIV study Bible, which has helpful notes written on the bottom of every page designed to give you helpful information and answer questions you may have along the way. Okay, one more thing about picking the right Bible. Uh, you'll notice that I keep mentioning the importance of picking a translation of the Bible. What you may not know is that there are also Bibles that are called paraphrase versions. A translation strives to take the original Greek or Hebrew words and express them in English. A paraphrase takes the English translation and then reframes it in a contemporary English with English idioms and phraseologies. The author of a paraphrase takes what the Bible author wrote yesterday and makes guesses about how the author would have written it today. So translations and paraphrases are both good, but it's important to know at least which one you're reading, okay? Which uh, I'll come back to in a few moments. Uh, once you get the Bible that's right for you, next, make a plan for Bible reading. I'm not a guy who makes a lot of predictions, but I can pretty confidently predict that you'll never consistently read the Bible until you have a plan to consistently read the Bible. And the plan I'm talking about is uh, going beyond just choosing the time and place you'll be reading the Bible to uh, actually having a plan for what you're going to read. Uh, if you're doing this uh, devotional book, then you've got a plan in place for the next 30 days or so. But what happens when the Being Like Jesus challenge is over? Well, uh, here's the good news. I think it's on Wednesday of this week. Uh, your reading in this book will ask you to start looking over some Bible reading plans by using uh, this link. The point is, start the process now of selecting a Bible reading plan that you can activate when we finish this challenge on March 14th. Uh, speaking of this Wednesday, uh, if you're a regular BlackRocker, uh, hopefully you got the BlackRock survey via email. Uh, this survey opportunity expires on Wednesday, so could you please take five minutes to click through the questions by Wednesday? Uh, if you don't have the email, uh, you'll find the survey at brc.church or the BlackRock website. Thanks. Now, next, moving on in our study. Personalize your Bible reading. Uh, nobody should get the idea that having a Bible reading plan is having this assembly line mentality, uh, just mechanically filling my head with information. That's not it at all. Uh, I need to personalize my Bible reading to my individual relationship with God. Starting with the very first thing I do when I open my Bible or Bible app. I pray. First thing, turn your thoughts to the author who loves you and wants to meet with you in his book. Ask God to speak to you through his word. And then listen to God. Don't think of the Bible as some kind of impersonal textbook. Think of the Bible more as God's personal letter to you where you listen for his voice right in the lines of scripture. 
You know, another good way to personalize your Bible reading is by writing down your thoughts and reactions in a notebook or a journal. I even recommend writing in your physical Bible. I, I recommend uh, that if something strikes you, underline that verse, circle some words, record your observations in the margins. If writing in the Bible bothers you, don't do it. But just so you know, I don't think God is interested in you keeping your Bible pretty. I think God likes it when you work your Bible hard. There's an old saying that goes, uh, people who have Bibles that are falling apart usually have lives that are not. So I say, work your Bible until it's falling apart. And then pray that your family, your finances, your relationships, your life does not fall apart. When uh, I was a little kid, uh, my family paid a visit to my slightly eccentric Aunt Sylvia, who I soon discovered had little soaps in her upstairs bathroom. Uh, they were dolphins, and I, I'd never seen anything like it. I'd gotten soap on a rope for Christmas, but this was even better. These soaps were so cool that over the course of the afternoon, I found excuses to wash my hands and use them all. And I remember how later my Aunt Sylvia went into her bathroom and screamed, Who used my soaps? And when she screamed, the whole family crammed into the bathroom where she was pointing next to the sink where there was now a group of little soaps which looked like a gathering of sad seals, badly beaten, clubbed seals. And in the middle of all the commotion, I kept asking, Am I getting in trouble for washing my hands? Because... It just doesn't seem right. That day I found out that those soaps were just for looking pretty, not for using. Now Sylvia was a little crazy like that. She also had an antique chair in the living room nobody was supposed to sit in, a piano that nobody was supposed to play, and a Bible on the coffee table that nobody was supposed to touch or read. Aunt Sylvia had a decorative Bible to go along with her decorative soaps. I don't think God's into decorative Bibles. I think God gets a lot more joy in watching your Bible get marked up and full of notes than seeing it lying there, all pretty, untouched, and unread. But then, I've been really scarred by that whole dolphin soap thing, so I may not be objective about this. You decide. Anyway, let's move on from the uh, reading the Bible to studying the Bible. Study the Bible. The point behind study is doing the work to really understand what you read in the Bible so that God can actually use the Bible to shape you and make you more like Jesus. So study is asking the same three understanding questions of every scripture section you read. The three questions are, what does this say? What does this mean? And what does this mean to me? So after you read a scripture section, ask the first question. Uh, what does this say? Where the answer starts with the context. Uh, knowing what a scripture section really says always involves understanding where it fits into the flow of what came before and what comes after. Another part of the uh, what does this say question involves knowing what kind of literature you're reading. 
The Bible is 66 books containing history, poetry, songs, letters, colorful visions, and a big part of knowing what your scripture is saying hinges on knowing what kind of literature you're reading. Then another uh, what does this say question involves noticing the precise meaning behind individual words. And this goes back to the Bible you choose. A paraphrased Bible can be good for reading, but when you get to this kind of word study, you want a translation. Why? Well, just imagine for a moment that I work for the State Department and the U.S. government sends me to a far-flung place so remote that I can only get handwritten letters from my wife. And imagine that the State Department tells me that I have a choice, that I can either get my wife's actual handwritten letters or I can take advantage of their paraphrasing service where a psychologist reads my wife's letters and then gives me a paraphrased version that says what she really means. Because I love my wife, what do you think I'm going to say to that? That's right. I'm going to say, I'll take them both. Because I'm no dummy. I, but because I love Jen, what I really want is each word from her heart to mine. I want to study each word so I can understand what she has to say to me. This is the goal of this first study question. And while I'll eventually need a translation and not just a paraphrase, the next study question is to ask of my scripture section, what does this mean? This is where I'm asking, what did the author mean when he wrote this? What was the author's original purpose? And what did this scripture mean to those who first received it? This is really important because it can be downright dangerous for me to adopt scripture meanings that the scripture author did not intend. We have an example of this right in the confrontation between Jesus and Satan in Matthew chapter 4. Satan's second temptation is an attempt to get Jesus to prove his messianic identity by jumping off the top of the highest building in Jerusalem. Satan says that the Father would rescue Jesus before the watching world. And then Satan supposedly proves this to Jesus by quoting scripture. That's right. Satan actually quotes a verse out of context from Psalm 91 to manufacture a meaning that the author never intended, which just shows how important it is that I study what I read in scripture so that I do not attach my fallible meanings onto God's infallible word. But then, once I determine God's infallible meaning through study, I'm ready to ask the last question of every scripture section I read. What does this mean to me? Which brings us back to that fourth belief Jesus has about the Bible. Jesus believes that the Bible must be applied. We know that this application of Scripture is of utmost importance to Jesus because of his well-known struggle with the Pharisees. The Pharisees were these religious leaders who read the Bible, studied the Bible, but were never transformed by the Bible. So it's incredibly important to Jesus that I Follow the example he sets for me in his confrontation with Satan, and I apply the Bible. 
There's so much I could say about this, but it's not necessary because the Apostle Paul put it infinitely better than I could ever say it. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, where he says this, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. I love this. I love how God in Scripture says that every word in Scripture is useful. With every Scripture section I read and study, God has a plan to apply it to my life. God has a plan to teach truths about who He is and who I am in Him. God has a plan to rebuke the lies of Satan, just like Jesus rebuked Satan in the wilderness. God has a plan to correct the course of my life so I become more like Jesus in his love, wisdom, and power. And with every scripture section I read and study, God has a plan, plan to train me. There's that word that we keep encountering in this being like Jesus challenge, training. See, Jesus doesn't want to have me just read the Bible. Jesus wants to meet me in the Bible. Jesus loves me, and he wants to train me to be like him as I meet with him in the pages of Scripture. So I guess the question is whether I love him enough to act on his loving offer to meet with him in Scripture. So here's our concluding thought question for the week. Does my love for time in the Bible match the love I claim for Jesus? Think about it. And then go beyond thinking to actually engage this week in scripture study, the second habit of being like Jesus.